Good evening. Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. My name is Kyle Bird. And I'm Matt Parmley. And uh, we are here to talk about um, a relatively obscure Daie movie from, what is it, 1962? 62, yeah. Yeah. That's The Whale God. Um, Which... uh, Finally, has a North American release on Blu-ray uh, from SRS Cinema. Um, but before that, how you doing, Matt? <laughs> I'm good. Good. I'm just busy, busy, but busy, but good. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. You're you have like your availability is awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have uh, got a one year old. My son also has like my my oldest son Landon is uh, nine and like karate three nights a week basketball twice a week we just work's been kicking my butt and then you throw on the uh, complexities of a, a toddler so it's busy but good it's all and good those, stuff, those but... kids extracurriculars they'll they'll do it man yeah and from what I understand it just I mean from here it's just going to get more yeah and your more. life is like <laughs> over it pretty much until until he can drive. <laughs> so um anyway uh yeah i mean uh yeah before we we get into our our main subject here um there's a few things that uh we can discuss um there's a new godzilla it's gonna be it's gonna take me so long to get used to saying this the right way a godzilla kong trailer yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know if you have any strong feelings on it one way or the other. I mean, it, I've, it's, it's I, not too much different. Honestly, it's not that much different from the first trailer. I don't There's a little more plot detail, I guess. Uh I I mean, I watched it once. I think it looks fun. Uh stupid, I'm sure, but like I think it looks pretty fun. Um I'm, I'm optimistic that i'll have a good time we go see it in the next what 45 days or whenever it comes oh, out no i is it it's less than that because it's i think is march it? 29th so we're like oh yeah, i forgot february is like short yeah so <sighs> yeah we're like we're, we're like what six weeks away maybe something like that <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have anything new to say about it. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with stupid, but you know, if if it's going to be stupid, I want it to like, you know, step on the gas and be like, like 
you know, crank <laughs> with monsters or something. <laughs> you that know. would be awesome. So we'll, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how far they take it. If they can take stupid far enough, then I'll, I'll I'm on board. But um, yeah, the, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Geez, yeah. So we're gonna be talking about that in just over a month. Um, that being said, I mean, I don't know. I I think we might have brought this up before, but I I, I struggle to think like okay if they keep making these monsterverse movies like where do you go from there you know how do you how do you keep building on it after you've done all the original toho movie or toho like the the big toho characters and you were on our second like kong team up like how do you even how do you keep the momentum going yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I assume, like, <laughs> I assume as long as the toy sales are good and the movie doesn't, oh, like, yeah. drastically bomb at the box office, that they'll probably keep cranking them out. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think it'll do fine. I, it, I I do think the new release date is kind of weird because when it was coming out in April, it just, it had no competition, and now it's moving closer to um, stuff like Ghostbusters and... Um, it even, even like competing against legendary competing against itself. Cause it's closer to Dune, which is like the big movie this month that's coming out soon. And then, I don't know, it, it was, it was a strange move I thought, but we'll see. Um, no competition also doesn't automatically mean something's gonna, you know, do great. Look at, you know, Argyle and, um, I, I don't I don't think Madam Web is going to be <laughs> cleaning it up this weekend either. So, what is it like fifteen percent on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I guess I guess we also didn't really talk about the um, uh, official uh, the minus one getting the VFX Oscar nomination, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, I don't know that it changes my world much but you know i don't know it's pretty cool i guess i'm i'm happy for the movie but i would have been just as happy without it. i don't know it's it's cool but i you know i don't know i'm not i've never been one to like be super into like godzilla becoming a status symbol or whatever so you know it's cool but you know if or when it loses <laughs> to you know guardians of the galaxy or uh the creator, which both had pretty amazing visuals, the you know, it's not going to shake up my world. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's it's cool. I don't, I the award stuff like I've never followed closely. Stuff like that, it just doesn't. It, yeah, it, nah. it can be fun to follow, but it's never it's never something. It's not something I like have ever taken super seriously. Um. You know, I don't know. It's kind of cool that Yamazaki is, you know, getting to do all the like pre-Oscars press and mix it up with, you know, all these people like, like he met Steven Spielberg and said called him God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and Lord knows that man loves himself some Spielberg. So yeah, no, I mean it's cool. I mean it's you know the. The conversation around the the budget and the VFX is 
going to be something that people are going to be talking about for a while, how, you know, it had something like 30-some VFX artists in comparison to Hollywood having several hundred or whatever, but you also got to take into consideration the differences in the work culture <laughs> between here and there. You know, they, they, they're non-union, and, you know, VFX around the globe is really not a pretty punishing job to get into yeah i i so two things one i I do think it's cool that it it's getting an oscar like an oscar nod like that that's neat i guess um but the the conversation around the the vfx stuff has kind of been frustrating because everybody's like oh they they really showed hollywood i'm like well well did they exactly yeah i don't know i mean um like Kevin was looking up, like uh, you know, he he found you know the the pay for Shiragumi, the effects studio, and it's like they they typically pay like twenty k a year, and you know they work like six days a week and have to have like fifty hours of overtime or something. And, That's insane. Yeah, and Yamazaki even said in that one interview, he was like, "Yeah, I wish we could pay more," but then he was like, "Oh, but like we remodeled the office and made it more comfortable." Yeah, Japan has that. Like, I mean, they, it's the the work culture is very different. Yeah, uh, you, definitely. You, yeah, like you work yourself to death, and then like you, they want you to like be super proud of it. Basically, I I, I think the like actually I have some experience with that because uh, I work for a company that like had a contract with Toyota, and like, you were just I mean, if you work for Toyota, you were constantly working and being like ground into pulp. So it, it, that, that tracks for just a very different work culture. Um, I think the effects for the budget and stuff, like definitely good. I just wish people would, would not make such a big deal about it to say like, Oh, it's a, it's a good thing. Well, it, it's, it may not be as good as they think it is, is all we're trying to say. Yeah. I I mean, the, it's something that I think just, everywhere there needs to be more like <laughs> you know worker protections for these cg guys uh, but but it's definitely an apples and oranges thing because just how they do things isn't quite how like i said i mean just the lack of union you know uh over of in in the their film industry is is something that needs to be considered especially when you're talking about budgets and you know be, beyond the special effects stuff you know they don't they don't have um you know actors with such high uh high high pay demands i mean uh you know i it's it's one of those things i saw a different thing unre- unrelated to godzilla but it was like um i don't know it was like a, a screenshot of like you know quantum mania or or something and, um, like, God, I forget the movie. It wasn't Minus One. It was some other movie that was, like, way lower budget. And it was like, you know, why does the one with the, the $200 million budget look so much worse than the other one? But, like, you got to remember, like, budget is not all special effects. It's also actors. It's um, catering. It's location. It's um, a, a billion other things. And so, you know... We, you can't always determine it that way. 
Um, anyway, I mean, it, it's 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 been a, a cool little ride we've been on with with minus one. It's um, I I've always been kind of joking, like you know, all, all the people, you know, the usual folks uh, in the the on the internet that are like, I don't care about the Oscars and like brag about not watching it every year are suddenly and are happy about this. Yeah. They're suddenly <laughs> like, Oh, this is so cool. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, you don't want to sit at the cool kids table until you get an open seat and then you're going to flock to it kind of thing. Like, you know, yeah, it's annoying. You suddenly like, have you, decided to care <laughs> and we, God forbid uh, if it loses. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, I, that'll be another, I'm going to just ignore it. Cause like when it does it, I like, it'd be cool if it wins, but like, I'm not going to be upset if it doesn't. It's got some like, heavy hitting competition. I mean, like in my opinion, I think guardians might've had the actual best VFX I saw last year, but you know, we'll see. I, the Oscars like to make weird, uh, like power plays too you know it could be something where they're like well we'll look so much cooler and more open-minded if we gave it to this plucky little japanese movie you know and you know i I mean that there's there's political gain to think of also but we'll see how that plays out um i mean i'm i'm stoked for yamazaki and i'm i'm it's cool to have godzilla being part of this conversation but you know, I, I'm not I'm not super invested in it the way other people are. Big same. Um, but yeah, it's you know all these people that bragged about not caring suddenly care very much. <laughs> Could you imagine if like well th- th- those same people were probably disappointed when they realized that Godzilla Kong the New Empire wasn't going to get a trailer during the Super Bowl? Oh yeah. And like, I'm not gonna watch the Super Bowl. But if there was a trailer, oh they yeah, been oh on yeah, where's the trailer? The game. Yeah. Oh yeah, every commercial yeah. break, they'd be like, "Where's this? Where's the trailer already?" It's like you realize that half the movies that did have trailers did like little mini spots and then pointed you to YouTube. Oh my god, that was so annoying. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I do they not understand how how expensive those things are? And literally, yeah, I get ad space is expensive, but yeah, if if you're gonna fork over money for Super Bowl time. I mean, you might as well go all the way. Like these, it's not. Yeah, you know, Universal. You're not going to convince me. Oh, they just couldn't afford an extra thirty seconds. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are like the richest. They just didn't want to spend the money, which is fine. Yeah, these are the richest media companies in the world. They can, you know, I'm sure they can handle themselves. Bird um, said he. Uh, don't you love it? Like when uh, people defend gigantic multi-billion-dollar corporations who also make thirty k a year. <laughs> <laughs> It's like what are we doing? Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, good on good on minus one. I, I I didn't see the black and white version. I just it only played for a week, and then it was like I don't know. I, I think of those things the same way I think of like colorization. Like it can be kind of a cool experiment, but it's like you can always tell that's not the way the movie was supposed to be. Yeah, I had to. I did. I checked out the trailer. And I was like it. It, it looked okay, but I was like, I've already seen it twice, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to see it again whenever it, it gets a, a media release over here. So I was like, ah, I'm good seeing the color version. Yeah. Yeah. Like I already saw the, the color one three times, and 
Um, yeah, I, I, the more I see a movie in theaters, like the less, like I'm like going to be eager to watch it. Like when I buy the Blu-ray, like it'll just like sit on a shelf forever if, if, if I see it like 30 times or something. So it's like, you know, I want to retain a little bit of the, the magic, I guess. Um, uh, there was something else I was going to say, I think when, uh, about the Oscars, but I forgot what it was, so probably wasn't that important. Um, oh, uh, we should talk about the, I guess, sort of recent passing of Ken Satsuma, uh, the Heisei Godzilla suit actor. Um, he passed away, was it in December? Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds correct. December sixteenth at seventy six years old. Um, he had complications from pneumonia. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's a bummer. Um, he uh, was definitely an interesting personality. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people listening, if they've get, been to the conventions over the years, have probably met him. Um, it's just, it's weird that, like, you know, both him and Nakajima are gone now. Yeah, I mean, I, the like, I think one of the coolest memories that I have is we went to a tiny little convention, and uh, my wife and I, got to like sit on a couch and just like chill and talk to him in the, in the foyer of this hotel for, it was a good like 45 minutes. And I, like he showed some of his art and like, it was just, I don't know. It was kind of for me that that was seeing Godzilla. So like I was awestruck. Um, he definitely brings some energy to him as well. <laughs> Very like, I think one of the other things that was, um, notable about him is he you could like ask him a question but he was just going to talk about whatever he wanted to talk about oh (laughs) yeah no i've uh (laughs) i've i've seen live q a's with him and i have not pitied or (laughs) i have not envied i have have not i have not envied (laughs) the people trying to run the run a panel with him because he'll just he'll just go on forever and ever (laughs) about what you know you ask him okay you know because he like i don't know what was his first Godzilla movie? Hedera. He played Hedera. It's like, okay, how'd you how'd you come to play Hedera? And then like he'll give an answer that's like forty minutes long, and only at the very end is like where he's going to answer the question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other really cool thing that happened was I took Landon to meet him at a when Landon was like four or five at another convention, and we took a cool picture, and I tagged him on Facebook. He actually made it his uh, cover photo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which was, like, that was kind of neat. But, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it, I hadn't really thought about him passing uh, since it happened. And now that we're talking about him, it's it's kind of bumming me out, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, he was one of the, I, I mean, he was probably one of the first guys that they ever got out here for any kind of conventions or fan engagement. Um, like I've told my stories, like the 96 G fest then called G con, 
um, ninety six. Yeah, GCon ninety six. Him and Nakajima were the guests, and it was like this big deal because, like, you know, they'd never. I don't even know if they'd ever even come to America in their personal lives before, and so it was like a big deal that those guys were there. And you know, uh, over the years, you know, now there's been dozens of Japanese guests that have come to all kinds of conventions. Um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a big deal back then, and and I remember at the '96 one, they the, both of those guys just had energy like through the roof. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I little what I would have been eleven, eleven year old me. You know, I got to meet him and have my photo taken, and then. Um, when Nakajima came back in like 2008, I had him sign the photo, and then in I think 2018, when Satsuma came back, I had him sign the photo, and now it's it's probably one of my favorite pieces of Godzilla. It's like that in my like Imperial Godzilla toy. Like I don't know, I'm I'm like I get more mushy and sentimental about stuff. So like you know, any kind of cool collectibles are cool, but like that's the stuff that's like my favorite stuff that I have laying around what's special about the uh, imperial godzilla for you oh uh it was my first godzilla toy oh yeah same um, that's why so i have the same thing with that no my, i i had that, that before i'd seen i had that for a, a few years probably before i'd even seen a godzilla movie it was just one of those things my mom knew i liked dinosaurs and uh yeah i geez i must have been about four or five you know, she gave me the Imperial Godzilla and the Imperial King Kong, and I had those before. I don't think I started watching the movies till I was like seven. So it was like there were a few years where I <laughs> I just had the toys because my mom thought I'd think they were cool, and I did. So, and I still have those. The yeah, the Godzilla and Kong. Me and my brother each had one, and I think now because my brother you know, very quickly was like, whatever, I don't care. I think I have both. <laughs> I, I think I have two of each of those toys. And, uh, now, and yeah, they, yeah, my mom used to get us the same toy and then write our initials on the feet. Cause that way, you know, we wouldn't get jealous or whatever, but yeah. So, um, no, and it was it was the small Imperial Godzilla. I ended up getting the big bigger one later, but it was the the little one. Um, yeah, I have the the big one was my first Godzilla toy. It has a a cracked spine, but that's like if my house were burning down, and I had to pick one toy to, to take with me in this fictional, really stupid scenario. <laughs> uh, it would actually be the the Imperial Godzilla toy because like that's the toy that my parents got me. So. Yeah, I I got that one. I think. After I got into the movies, I was like, oh, there's a bigger Godzilla toy I've seen. I, like, you know, when I <laughs> went and bought that. Um, but yeah, the original Godzilla and Kong from Imperial, which was, you know, those probably hit around the late 80s. Those were those were my first kaiju anythings. So they have a special place in my heart. The uh, last thing I'll say is uh, when we, like, when you met him, because we, because they had actually come over like we there was a couple conventions that we went to they were like relatively small but like they were busy they were doing a bunch of signatures but like that meant you had a bit more access to them um, and they were like you meet them randomly in the lobbies you'd meet them in the elevators but they were just like Satomo was so personal or personable and like he would just 
talk to you and like wait for the next person to come up. And while we were waiting, he was just like talking to Landon and it was just a really cool thing to see. So that's a, that's a cool memory to have. Um, you know, obviously bummed that he passed, but like really, really cool to have those memories to be able to, to look back on. He has a, he had a really big personality. Whenever he talked about playing Godzilla, like he, yeah, he, he talked like, like he, like he, he, he spoke as if he thought he like literally was Godzilla. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he, he did. Yeah, he had his own like. Go- he also had his like Godzilla martial arts, Godzilla Kempo. Like all of his movements were based on uh, the martial art that he took, and like he posts videos on Facebook of him like, like training still, even though he, <laughs> you know, he's in his seventies, and he'd have like his uh, staff and like be smacking trees and stuff. It was actually pretty cool. He was awesome on Facebook because I think he just like forgot his password all the time. I'm and, pretty and, sure he has like 25 accounts. On yeah, Facebook. And, and every time he forgot his password, he just make a new account. So like there, there, there. <laughs> so he's he's there's like a hundred of him on Facebook, and and like none of them are bots. Like it's all actually him. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. He. Uh, he had, yeah, I mean, he had quite a life. I mean, uh, people also don't talk about some of the other things. Like, you know, I he was um, in, uh, I don't know which which Ultra brother he was, but in Ultraman Ace, the uh, the one where they crucify them all on the moon or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the Ultraman brothers in that. I, I don't know which one, but um, Gigan, Hedera, um Pulgasari, of course, he got to live through that madness. Um, uh, he he did uh, some stuff I, in the, with uh, the Orochi and um, Yamato Takeru. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. As far as kaiju suit acting goes, he was one of the 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 truly iconic uh, performers and. Um, and yeah, I mean, 70, what, 75, 76, that's, that's, 76, yeah. Yeah, that's fairly young, you know, so, um, so yeah, I mean, he will be missed, but, uh, you know, I guess, uh, the, the, I, it, it sounds kind of weird, but like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's, I'm glad that he was able to live through this time because a lot of the older guys, um, you know, didn't get a chance to realize that they had like a legacy and, you know, didn't get a, you know, some of these guys, you know, never got a bunch of interviews and there's some guys that still don't, you know? Yeah. So he so it's so he was someone that was actually like able to I guess any I mean there's like an archive of his thoughts, his opinions, um and stuff like that. One of my favorite videos will go out on this is uh I think the last G Fest he was at, which I think was his last convention appearance, at least here. Um, but like there's him and a bunch of Godzilla cosplayers and he's like coaching them <laughs> on how to act. Like Godzilla, and that's that's a if, if that that's like probably you know a good you know a few minutes that like kind of explains his whole um, I guess personality and his his attachment to 
to Godzilla. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, yeah, it's awesome. All right, I guess uh, we get into our uh, our main subject. And if people are wondering why it took us like two months to talk about Satsuma, it's because it's just something that we wanted to put in the front of an episode, and uh, we've just been... Basically, since minus one, we've we've kind of just been. There's been very a, 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 a series of episodes on our our uh, agenda that, like, just due to timing stuff, like Matt said, he's got all kinds of stuff going on that we we've kind of just been kicking the can <laughs> down the line. Um, and when we finally got to it, and, and you know, we wanted to put it on top of a an episode that you know didn't have a whole bunch of stuff to go into, like you know, like. <clears throat> so, uh, anyway, the whale god, or uh, killer whale, as it's also been known, uh, is a 1962 Daye film. Um, so this predates um, their big kaiju franchise, which was Gamera. Um, so this, this is before Gamera. Uh, it's about a giant whale, believe it or not. Um, anyway, this is directed by, uh, Takuzo Tanaka, who, um, uh, is best known for directing, uh, some entries in the Zatoichi franchise. Um, and it is written by Kaneto Shindo, who... I think is probably most famous for writing and directing, um... Kuroneko and Onibaba. Um, Kuroneko we just did as a Halloween episode, so feel free to check that out if you haven't already. Um, but he was a very prolific and celebrated filmmaker the world over. Um, uh, and uh, this is before he became Shindo proper. You know, this is fairly early in his career, that he writes this screenplay, and it is based on a novel by a man named Koichiro Uno, who uh, would primarily, this was his first novel, um, and he would primarily go on to write erotic fiction. Um, one of his films was actually adapted by uh, Shusuke Kaneko when um, he was making his uh, the Roman porno films. Um, uh, and I'm assuming that was one of these erotic fiction novels. Um, anyway, uh, this is commonly brought up as a Japanese Moby Dick sort of story. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that comparison is super uh, accurate. I mean, uh, aside from... It's about a giant whale and, you know, people that are kind of obsessed with killing it. Um, you know, it, it doesn't really... That That's probably where it begins and ends. But I would be very surprised if Moby Dick uh, didn't influence this author when he was writing uh, his book. Um, because there, uh, in 1956... 
was probably the most famous movie adaptation of Moby Dick, which was the John Huston version with Gregory Peck that uh, Ray Bradbury had wrote. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that around that same time, there were three different translations of the novel um, released in Japan. So this is like later end of the 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 second half of the 50s um so yeah it, it would i would be i would be surprised if you know there wasn't a little bit of moby dick on his mind but um anyway uh the book was very successful um uh it won a bunch of prizes and uh it it basically launched uno's writing career um and so, yeah, when the film rights were up for grabs, Daye swooped in very quickly and threw this movie together. Um, uh, so, yeah, this is 62. The novel was 61. So, um, yeah, they, they... Pretty fast, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they didn't waste any time. Um, but uh, anyway... Uh, to give, uh, I guess, a brief plot breakdown, um, this is this takes place in the early Meiji period, and uh, in this uh, whaling uh, village, um, Wadora, I think it's called. It's a fictional uh, whaling uh, village, but it's uh, supposedly modeled after. Um, uh, uh, Hirado Island, uh, um, and the uh, uh, island in the Nagasaki Prefecture, which um, Ikitsuki Island, um, which is in Hirado City. But um, so this in this whaling village, there's uh, basically you know the whalers go out every year, uh, and there's this giant 30-meter whale that just keeps, like, whenever they go out there, it just keeps killing them. I think the opening scene, the protagonist, it's like, you know, you see, his, like, basically, like, his whole family tree <laughs> get get taken out. Yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs> um, it's actually really awesome. Uh, but yeah, you do. There's two different like attacks and like funerals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take place in the first like ten minutes. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, the this village is, you know, they they seem a little like um, I've seen people compare them to Odo Island a lot. So it's a little bit, um, you know, by our uh, uh, modern views, could be considered primitive. Um, uh, but yeah, they, they're basically like this whale just keeps kill, killing us. Like we got to get rid of it or else, you know, we're, we're never going to be able to keep whaling and that's what keeps the community afloat and all this and that. And, and so the, uh, the village elder played by Takashi Shimura, um, basically offers like, his home, like, like his daughter, you know, <laughs> everything to whoever can kill this this whale. And so, um, 
so then, you know, you, you get into our two main characters. We have um, um, Shockey, who is the guy who saw the, the whale, like, kill, you know, his father and everything when, when he was younger. Um, and you have, uh, and he's played by Kojiro Hongo. I don't re- remember if I said that. Um, you did not. <clears throat> okay. So, yeah, he's, like, in Daimajin. Uh, uh, I think he's in the second one. Is he in the second one? I think it's the second one. Um, and most of the Gamera, he's, like, Dai's kaiju guy. Um, and then... Um, and he's just like, I don't care about status. I don't care about money. I don't want this guy's daughter. I I just want to get revenge on on this on this whale. Like it, it's, it's yep. ruined my life. Um, and then you have uh, an an outsider uh, to the community. It's a guy named Kishu, um, played by Shintaro Katsu, um, who I famous for playing Zatoichi. Um, and he is the more barbaric, um, you know, he just wants to, he wants everything that, he wants to kill the, the, the monster and also get all of the rewards. I mean, he, and he's, he's greedy. He's, he's, uh, you know, he goes around, he picks fights. Um, he's, uh, just a, a despicable person. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a uh, turns into this sort of pissing contest of which one of these guys is going to kill the whale. In the meantime, he uh, also rapes and impregnates Shaki's uh, uh, girlfriend. Who he? They get? Do they get married? They do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched this like weeks ago. I've seen it a few times. So yeah, they. But- he uh they he rapes her, she gets pregnant, gives birth to his baby. Um, and actually then at that point, Shaki decides to go ahead and say, like, hey, I'm gonna be the father, I'm gonna tell everybody that your this baby's mine. They do get married. And, yeah, and he knows it's like a he, he a knows bastard it's, child, you know, that yeah. from a rape and what a guy though. And until the very end. What a guy. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's a lot like there's a lot of interesting dynamics with um hey, I'm going to give up my daughter and you're going to you can do whatever you want with her and you can have all my estate and then Kishu comes along and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to have my way with her and then sell her to a brothel." Like that's like, Yeah. He's not he's not the best. No, he's he's the worst. Um Yeah. Uh until but he yeah, kind that, of isn't, but still is. Like there's a little yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I mean the the characters we we get into a cer- we get into a lot of nuance with with a lot of these characters and you know b- b- morally gray uh stuff w- with both of them really. Um th- I mean that's the basic plot outline. I mean it, it's um it's very much a period drama with uh some cool monster stuff um you know i mean if 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 you're into stuff like the Daimajin films or uh the yokai movies um uh this is 
probably going to speak your language a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a mix of, you know, the period drama and a monster movie. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, so this is a movie that I first noticed many, many years ago, um, in a catalog of a bootlegger that will remain nameless that I, I was a regular customer of. <laughs> um, and there was always like a section of like, you know, here's movies, like movies that they were able to offer without subtitles. And, um, the title whale God was always kind of interesting to me. So like, I don't know, it, it, I ordered a VHS of it. This was probably like 2005 or something. Um, and I watched it without subtitles, which I don't do anymore, partially because of experiences like this, where I'm like, okay, I don't really know what's happening in this. <laughs> Besides, there's people trying to stab a whale. Um, uh, and I, I, I thought it looked cool. Uh, there's like really cool music from Akira Fukube. And then later on, mm-hmm. yeah, this is probably like 2015 or something, that's when I the first fan sub or whatever was floating around. And I was able to watch it subtitled, which was really cool. Um, and now, thanks to uh, the, the good folks at SRS, there's an actual official Blu-ray. And um, now everyone can kind of see it without having to go through all those crazy hoops. Um, uh, so yeah, this this was probably my... I, I mean, my, probably my... Third, second or third real viewing of it, like with subtitles and everything. Um, uh, I always liked this movie, but uh, yeah, Matt, you're a, as a as a first timer. Um, what did you think? And is this a movie that you know before? I mean, how much had you heard about this movie like over over the years, or were you familiar with it at all, or was this just a new experience from top to bottom? Yeah. I think we had, we had talked about it a couple years back, but honestly, I didn't know much about it. And I was very surprised at how actually, like, it's really well done. And I think it's a really, like, it's an excellent movie. Um, the, like, the, the monster isn't, like, the monster is the focal point, but, like, not always on screen, which is fine. Because when the, when the whale's on screen, like, it's a lot of, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then in between, I think the relationship dynamics are actually really interesting and intriguing. Um, but yeah, like it from start to finish, like I really enjoyed myself. I thought this was a wonderful mm-hmm. movie. Plus, like you know, Kira Fukube. I was oh yeah. Like I actually had like this. The score is is wonderful. And th- this is like w- the early '60s, so like yeah, there was. Now that my ears a little more trained, like there were a few cues that I feel like I could pinpoint to hit where he would use it later. Like I think there's some stuff in there that wound up in King Kong Escapes. I don't know. One of one of the, one of the 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 kaiju music guys would be able to tell like within four seconds. But no, yeah, the 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 music is is really great. The great black and white cinematography, um, a cool giant whale, um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting. Um, 
character drama and 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 <laughs> there's also interesting stuff to think about just with the period setting um uh i think um you know for people that aren't super familiar with i guess whaling and what it is in japan you know it's a traditionally um it's still carried out to this day to to much controversy these days for you know all uh, the what we understand with what we understand about whales now you know in 2024 um it's 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 a pretty controversial practice um you know but you you know you can still go get whale meat but yeah i mean back then um whales were used for a bunch of stuff not just food but um uh, you know oil for lamps um soap yep. um all kinds of stuff um and traditionally yeah in japan you know there there's a communities that um you know that was basically how their economy ran <laughs> was was whaling um and that that that's the kind of uh village we see in the movie is is, is reflecting that um whaling I think this is the Meiji period. Like, it had been around, I think, a few... I think it had been, you know, more of a regular thing over over there for a few hundred years by the time you get to where they are in the movie. But, but yeah, I mean, still to this day, like I said, there's there's a way, places where whaling is, is a big factor in their, you know, economics and... Um, and and their culture, like it's, it's a controversial topic, just because we understand so much more about whales. Like now, you know, they're basically like humans in the sea. So so the the practice of whaling is is much more controversial these days. But um, there's also uh, the um, in the movie you see uh, um, practicing openly practicing Christianity. Um, you know, there's a priest, there's, you know, people, um, with crosses in their homes. Um, and, and that's kind of an interesting thing to think about too, because, um, uh, as, as some people may know, and I, I don't know how much we've, I feel like we've brought this up before. Um, you know, back in the day, there was a while where, uh, uh, you know, Christian missionaries would go to Japan basically to, um, convert people to Christianity. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> weirdly enough, I think we brought that up in the Batman Ninja episode. Um, is that what we talked about? We definitely talked about it. I, I think, cause I think Batman about. Ninja had like some priests or something and we brought it up. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the Martin Scorsese movie silence was about that, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Matt, yep. do you, you being, uh, um, uh, a man of faith. Uh, yeah. Is that what, what can you teach people, I guess, a little bit more about, about that? Uh, um, I mean, there was a period in Japan where basically the, uh, Christian priest came over and there was a lot of proselytizing and then that kind of got, went by the wayside and then they kind of opened up back again at the beginning of the, the Meiji period. Um, and obviously it reflects that cause like you have an entire Christian graveyard in this movie uh, you have like paintings of uh, there's like a rather than like a Shinto shrine or like, you know, how a lot <laughs> you know how a lot of times um, when you have someone like remembering their family, you would have more of like the 
um, the Buddhist practice stuff. And this, whenever you go into the house, it's prominently focused on like the, the picture and the drawing of, of Mary. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Plus you have a, a priest doing like burial, burial rites yeah. at different places. So it's, I think it's trying to be true to the period um, and that specific family, right? Cause it, like they, they seem to be the only Christians in the village that were told about. There's clearly other people that were because of the amount of grave sites and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, the movie isn't, I don't know that the movie is doing anything more than like kind of documenting the time period mm-hmm. with it. But it's, int- I thought it was interesting that's there because you don't see that in a ton of Japanese films that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, we've talked about plenty of Japanese period pieces and and I think this is the first one that has really kind of um showed a lot of that um probably around the time the story takes place this is something that was shown um you know not not just once or not just mentioned in passing but of stuff just in in their house or like you said the grave sites um and and things like that um <clears throat> Uh, so whale god, I say it once, maybe twice as Shatsu, but yeah, what, what did, what did you think of, uh, Shatsu the giant whale? I mean, considering when this was made, like I thought it was pretty, pretty neat. Um, the, the movie does a really cool thing where once they, get close to the whale there's a bigger prop that they end up using and i thought all that stuff was actually like we have a a couple shots with like a prop and like the they're basically what they do is they harpoon the whale and then the ropes attach to the harpoon pull the 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 battle between uh kishu and the other main character and um the whale and i thought everything there was actually really well done and actually very violent like blood spurts a lot a lot a lot lot of blood spurt um Yes. <laughs> um Yeah, the there were a few whales that were made. There was one big prop whale that they had a hard time like getting to to work <laughs> basically um and then uh so they made it so and then there was a smaller one that they used for more of the far away shots. Um and then there was the the big one um the uh so the 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 whale itself was made by uh Fuminori Ohashi who um uh made the yeti in half human and also played the yeti in half human I believe. Um he also uh worked on the Mysterians, Agon, um the the poor That's guy's cool. last movie as a a, a monster maker was legend of dinosaurs um he also worked in hollywood uh on masks for uh planet of the apes um but yeah he uh so yeah he 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 made the um uh the whale another one the and then the other one of the other whales um the modeler was uh, a guy named ryosaku takayama um who had done stuff for Ultra Q, Daimajin. Um, he made 
he modeled uh, Baragon and Gamera versus Baragon. Um, a lot of the the um, the 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 early Ultraman shows. Um, Daigoro for Daigoro versus Goliath. Um, and uh, yeah, this this was uh, an earlier movie for him. Um, and then uh, the special effects director um, for the whale um, scenes, the tokusatsu scenes, was uh, Toru Matoba, who did uh, Warning from Space, um, Invisible Man vs. the Human Fly, and then Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, uh, Booska. Um, so yeah, no, they, they have some some pretty experienced um folks uh on the special effects side of things and um yeah the whale itself is just a really cool looking um uh monster there's um uh there's some behind the scenes stuff uh that you can find online i have a book that has has some of that stuff in it um that's but yeah, Ohashi's full scale model was about like was basically like movie size. It was about thirty meters in length, um, which is enormous. <laughs> um, and uh, and and uh, the miniature was about five five and a half meters. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, during some of the during like some of the scenes where it has to move in the water, like they're having some issues with um the bigger one and then, you know, Takayama came in with a a smaller model that was um lifted with a crane and um uh uh the bigger model was uh had parts cut off to use in some of those close-ups. Um like at the end when they're like on top of him and like stabbing the the, the crap out of him, um, but uh, no, uh, impressive impressive effects work. Um, so I, I think uh, something that um, now that the movie's more widely available and. Um, People can come to me and say, "Oh, that whale god movie you've been talking about forever." I finally watched it. Uh, one thing that I is not sitting the best with with people is um, <laughs> the the ending, the very end. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, especially through um, today's standards, is a little weird. Um, but basically it ends with uh um the 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 two guys you know they have their shot at the whale um kishu uh uh goes right in goes right for it and um is he stabs the crap out of the whale and but he ends up getting caught in a net that is stuck to him and um uh the 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 whale goes into the ocean and he, he ends up drowning. Um, and, uh, uh, then, um, Shockey interprets his actions as 
he knew that he was going to die, and he was like basically making making the whale weaker for him to go and deliver the killing blow. Um, and uh, so he he yeah. ends up killing the whale and cutting his head off. Um, and uh, he like breaks like <laughs> every bone in his body practically. Um, and he, he more or less is going to die from his injuries. And he's like, no, let me die. Like I've, my purpose is fulfilled more or less. And he's like, you know, he basically says like, I can't move. So put me in a box and go put me next to the whale's head on the beach and just let me die there. Um, and then, uh, um, uh, his wife, um, comes to him and says, you know, hey, it was Kishu that, that actually, like, he, he knew that she was raped and, and his son was the product of that rape, more or less. And, and she's like, you know, you should know he's the one that did it. And he's like, he basically says, like, I know. And he's, he's like, uh, you must forgive him because he, he did this thing to more or less sacrifice himself for me, which I don't know. I don't know that I, I buy that. <laughs> I know that that's Shockey's interpretation of events, but I don't know that that's what, what was actually happening. Um, and he's like, yeah, you need to forgive him. Uh, and that that's like, you know, people are like, Hey, what's up with that ending? We're, you know, our hero is telling telling this this girl to forgive <laughs> forgive her rapist who was an awful human being, um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's an interesting note to go out on. I I I think some of it is cultural to not only the country but the time period that the movie takes place. Um, you know, I. It, I don't know, Matt. How did you how did you feel about that? Did that make you feel strange? <clears throat> yeah. So, well, I I think because it doesn't feel earned. Like that's really the biggest thing. If if there had been like this, the development of the character where all of a sudden his conscious can like it's very clear that he realizes what he did was terrible then it might have been easier to swallow the ending of of the film where like the forgiveness request is there. Um, I mean, I, I forgiveness is a thing where like, if you just talk about it, like, I don't know if it's trying to play up the Christian virtue of, of forgiveness because that's a very different thing than what most people probably would say or think of, but like we are supposed to forgive our enemies. Clearly this guy's an enemy. Look what he did to, to the woman. Um, but on his di- like on his deathbed, this guy's like, "Hey, you got to forgive him." And then he's like, "Now I need you to leave me alone, and I'm going to stare at the whale for a while." And I'm just like, "I don't." So because of all those things, like it's just it's a bit messy, um, and it's I think hard to to rectify, I guess, more than anything. Yeah, I, I um, the stuff with Kishu. I mean, I think th- I because. Th- Shockey's character, I, he he thinks that he he basically interprets it as Kishu is doing this to make up for the damage that he's caused. Um, 
I don't know that I think that. Um, I know that's what Shockey is as a character. I know that's what he's thinking. I don't know that the movie is... Um, I mean, the movie might even be intentionally leaving that vague uh, or up to interpretation as to, you know, is that truly why he did what he did at the end? Or is, you know, is, is that just what this guy, uh, what his perception is? Um, as far as what you're saying about, you know, earning earning the for earning it or whatever. Um, yeah, I think the closest we get is like, there's that scene. I think what it's the son's like baptism and Kishu is like weirdly like there wandering <laughs> yeah. around, like spying on them from outside. And, you know, you get a, you get a moment where it, it kind of almost makes it sound like he might kind of care about like what, about the kid and what's going on. Um, but that, that's probably the closest it gets. Um, now as for why Shockey would believe that, um, him going out and attacking the whale first was an intentional, uh, thing that, a, a sacrifice he was making to help him, help Shockey kill the whale, um, that's an interesting way for him to perceive those events um and and you said something that was kind of interesting to me um because we know shaki is a christian and you mentioned the christian idea of redemption or the christian idea of forgiveness or, or something along those lines um what exactly like elaborate on that a little bit so <clears throat> um for a lot of people like to be forgiven you have to like you have to do something to pay for it, I think. So within mm -hmm. Christianity, like because we believe that Christ ultimately paid for it, we can then forgive people that harm us. So like that. So, so the concept is hmm. I can forgive an enemy, a person that was, would actively do me harm because of what Christ did for me. Like that, that's the concept there. Um, and so when he's telling her, to forgive him and based on the fact that he comes from a Christian family, like I could see that being an, an intentional, um, like bring, bringing up that's that virtue. Gotta be what they were going for. But it, yeah, that's gotta be what they were going for with that. The, the other problem is when I say like the film doesn't earn it, what I mean is typically speaking in a movie, you would also want there to be this sort of either comeuppance where the character realizes like, I don't, the movie isn't super clear on what his motivation is, uh, him being uh, Kishu. So mm -hmm. the entire movie, he's doing horrible things, beating people, raping people, talking about how he's going to sell this lady off to a brothel and all this stuff. And then when he attacks the whale, it looks to be an, an act of, of ego and selfishness again, because he knows if he kills the whale, he gets the estate, the money, and the women, right? That's the whole the, the, the part of it. The movie tries to tell us, I think directly it's like a tell versus a show where he's stabbing the whale intentionally in a vital spot to weaken it that's what the characters explicitly state the problem is by the end of it it's like we it's hard to believe that that's like that guy was doing a good thing because up until that point he hasn't shown us a change of heart really ever we have no reason to believe that's happened yeah like 
you see that you see the two of them have an almost like begrudging respect for each other and it but it's it's more of a respect in the like my enemy is a worthy opponent it, it, it's like an honor code kind of thing you know um but no what what you said kind of gives me thoughts that i I didn't have initially about you know the Christian concept of forgiveness and how it might not typic it might not be what everyone thinks of when they they think of what what is forgiveness um, and I that's got to be what the movie was going for now whether we whether it conveys it well and what we do we see enough from Kishu to see how Shaki could think that probably not. But it's interesting that, um, to me, just hearing you talk about it, to me, it makes that character saying that it makes it makes it makes more sense um, as to why he would do that. Um, uh, how how he got there, you know, I think the movie might be missing yeah. a few pieces. But um, but no, it's an interesting thing to think about, um, and 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 I mean that's just on top of just certain issues around rape and sexuality and, and things in Japan. Uh, I mean, like rape is, is like a notoriously light crime <laughs> in Japan. Like I think, I think only a few, what year was it? Within the last 10 years, um, like Japan made like the minimum prison sentence for rape went from three years that's, to five that's, years. I, yeah. Minimum. <laughs> um you know i i i know in in some uh like you know long ago not now but i know you know there there have been periods in japanese history where you know rape um wasn't even seen as a crime committed against a woman but like you know if if it's the 1700s or whatever and you know uh, a woman gets raped it's seen as a crime against the man who is, you know, the significant other of the woman rather than the woman herself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you you, you kind of combine the sort of blasé approach to, you know, such a heinous crime and 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 combine that with combine that with the combine that with the idea that this guy's like, oh, well, he sacrificed himself, so you know, the good Christian thing to do would be forgive him. You know, I mean, the, 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 the you, you, I, I, with, with those pieces of context, it's not so much a baffling ending. It just doesn't quite have enough. Like you said, it doesn't have, it's just missing a few details in, in getting there, but it, it, it doesn't seem as random um, to me, knowing all that, <clears throat> the, the movie kind of has that whole thing about like the so he rapes her and then she's pregnant and she delivers a baby and like nobody's concerned with her or like who raped her. They're only concerned that like he's kill. He's saying that this is his son. He's like, is that really like uh, even like Takashi to, to Shimura's characters like? is he really your son? Like, that's all they care about. They don't care about the woman. They, you know, they don't care about crime that happened. Right. It's like, yeah. they're just like, well, is this really your kid? Like, I don't. 
Yeah, there's no uh, <laughs> no law enforcement <laughs> getting involved. Yeah, it's it's just like oh, you know, I'm sure she's yeah. Fine. So I mean, there, there's that. I, I the other thing that's interesting is when you see like the very cultural uh, Japanese aesthetic of of honor and how they view that, where like the whale was also his enemy, and he's like, I am becoming the whale. That's the thing that threw me off was when he was like. Oh, I'm the whale now. And I'm like, I would love to know what he was thinking. And that's probably something that I just, I didn't pick up. But like, it kind of <laughs> also comes out of nowhere. Look at me. I am the <laughs> whale now. It's like, all right. I, I guess that. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're more or less hitting the nail on the head where it's like, you know, no nobody is really concerned about this woman going through probably one of the absolute worst things a human being can go through, and uh, everyone's just like, "Oh, uh, who's who's the who's the real who's the real dad?" You know, they 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 want to get they want to get these guys on Maury more than they want to, you know, figure out what who did this. Yeah, there's <laughs> also <this> like <laughs> oddly a number of women who are just throwing themselves at him the entire movie. He like goes to that bar and the several women are like, I hey, would you just sleep with me, please? Like go go kill the whale and come back and sleep with me. That's a that's a common thing that sort of happens. Yeah, he yeah, he's yeah. he's the bad boy, you know. He's the he's the 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 modern equivalent or the the modern equivalent would be like the you know, outlaw, you know, you know, that's goes into a bar and, you know, acts all super cool and, you know, beats up a guy and, you know, women are like, Oh, like take me home. Cause you're so strong or whatever. But yeah, there's, <laughs> a, there's also there's a part where he like again. disfigures a guy's face. Oh yeah. That was pretty messed up. Yeah. What does he do? Yeah, what what did he do? was it like boiling water? What did he pour? He like poured something on him, didn't he? Uh, I thought he was dead initially because like the dude wasn't <laughs> moving. He like stomped him out. Then I think he just actually poured sake on him. But like, uh, he yeah. definitely beat the. Cr- I thought he killed him. So you know, <laughs> Kyushu's a nice guy. He's fine. Yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> um the other thing is like I mean just just this uh the the society's like lack of like well I I think I think you can you can not only in like how they treat a rape victim but the, this village and their their society their culture doesn't really seem to really care much about women's rights I mean like you know the the village elder being like yeah whoever wins you know gets my daughter you know and like she's even like uh like I, what like no i mean like i don't know she she doesn't like protest loudly but she she really doesn't seem interested in what happens i mean i i think she kind of you know might have a little bit of a thing for shaki but she's overall just kind of like not she she doesn't she's not too invested in all of it. You know, she she's more annoyed that Shaki 
isn't interested, then <laughs> she, she is the fact that she might have to just be yeah, given she's, to somebody. She was more she was more offended at the fact that like he didn't care about her than the fact that he's going to be given to some right. rando <laughs> yeah. that might k- kill the whale. Yeah. So 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 this this village is a uh, you know they they don't care about you know rape and they they give their daughters away as prizes so you know the, the i guess this guy being like you know having a very i mean like he he looks at it even with that christian approach to forgiveness he looks at it the way he would like forgive like oh like you know he stole my wallet <laughs> you know <laughs> you know just forgive him it's fine <sighs> You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think there's a little bit of all of that. I, th- I think just the approach to rape and in in general, and I think his, um, you know, his, his his him perceiving Kishu's death as a sacrifice for him and doing what he thinks is the good Christian thing to do, um, and then combined with just in the fictional town that this movie takes place in is a very sexist place. Combine all those things and it's not the randomly, the the super baffling random uh, turn of events that I think some people think it might be. Um, That doesn't mean it's like okay of him to do and it it doesn't mean that the movie couldn't have handled... um, some of that those elements a little bit better but i i can see why that character would do that um and uh you know i i don't know that you know i i think the writers were probably just trying to be accurate to the time period um and being accurate to um like what some of the the you know the, the Japanese Christians might have done, and I think uh, I think that was probably the I think that you know I think that that was probably what they were thinking of more than optics you know more than like oh yeah they, if yeah. this happens will it upset people in the audience you know I I think they probably they probably knew it would upset people in the audience I mean um I mentioned we mentioned the grand this is based on a novel um, but the screenwriter um um. Kaneto Shindo, I mean, his, uh, Kuraneko and Onibaba, I mean, those are, those are seen as fairly feminist works, um, and all about, uh, you know, female empowerment and, and especially women, um, taking ownership of their sexuality. Um, so I don't know that he would write a movie that would endorse anything like that. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it, the movie is doing that as an endorsement or, trying to say that this is the right thing for this guy to do. I think they're just trying to be accurate to what they think something like this, what something like this would have been like if it happened. Um, so no, I, I mean, your mileage is going to vary. Anyone that watches this movie and gets to that ending is, and is like, just screw this. I get it. You know, I'm, I, you're not going to get an argument from me, but, um, that being said, um. Yeah, I, I think I don't know. I guess go in with I guess a little bit of a trigger warning for that because it's probably going to throw some people off pretty hard. 
Yeah. Bert, what did you think about like the monologue at the end? Did that resonate with you at all? Where he's becoming the whale? Uh, not especially. I, I, I think was that, is that what, is that like the voice? Is that a voiceover yeah. at the end? Yep. That he says that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're trying to draw a parallel. Um, and, you know, aside from like just dying, <laughs> you know, having, having their bodies on a beach, um, I don't know. I mean, th- this is also something where um, there might be something with, you know, what what whales, you know, in Japanese culture uh, might represent or something. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think um, uh, whales and like I don't know. I don't I don't think they're really seen as like any kind of like divine beings or anything. I, I, I guess, um, I guess you, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could, you could say that they both had a certain tenacity, um, because he, he really seemed to take every action of that whale as like personal, like, why does this whale keep messing with me? Kind of thing. Even though the whale is just hanging out, you know, <laughs> just swimming around. He's like, you guys, um, you, you killed my entire family. Uh, you and, killed my entire family. Well, actually they attacked me first, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, th- he, he definitely interprets this whale as, as being something that is like almost <laughs> specifically out to get him. Um, and so I, I think, you know, you, you might be able to say it, it's his way of almost coming to peace with the whale, the way that he sort of came to peace with Kishu is in, you know, this this is an opponent worthy of me, and because of that, we're, even though we're enemies, we're the same. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think he's engaged in some kind of mutual, un- what he thinks is a mutual understanding of, uh, you know, you know, hey, you put up a good fight, we're not so different after all, kind of thing. But that's also because he's seeing this through a very warped and weird point of view of like, oh, this whale won't stop messing with me, even though it's just being a big thing that hangs out in the water and shows up once a year okay yeah. I, I actually think that's a i i wasn't i was having a hard time putting that together at the end because i'm like i'm not sure that it is resonating with me but um yeah but that i think that that piggybacks onto the previous conversation about you know um his perception of what kishu was doing and how it leads into him asking um his wife to forgive a rape i don't know that we're necessarily supposed to think of shaki as a reliable narrator because he has what is very obviously to me a warped perception of what's happening um like i said he 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 thinks this whale is just like being an asshole when it's really just being an animal 
Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know that his judgment of events and people and creatures is quite, <laughs> quite accurate. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know that I'm super convinced that Kishu was sacrificing himself. It's what he thinks, um, and that leads him to, you know, give his, you know, uh, his Christian forgiveness speech. But, like, you know, I don't know that I believe that. And I, and, and I, and I, I guess, I guess my question is, I have to wonder if that's just, you know, I, I, I feel like that's almost intentional because, you know, the way that he talks about how his only job in life is to kill this whale, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think they expected anyone at home to be like, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, that's all this guy needs to do is kill a whale. Like, you know, it, us watching at home are like, oh, you know, maybe forget the whale and take care of this kid and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I, I don't know that he's necessarily the most reliable and most well, um, He's kind of crazy. He's, he's yeah. <laughs> he's definitely got a got a smooth brain going on. Like he's <laughs> he's angry. He he's angry to the point of like it blinds everything that he does. And then he's like, "I'm gonna do a cool thing and call this kid my own, and then immediately go kill myself by chasing this whale." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, I don't I don't think the movie is really trying to say that he's the most mentally well put together <laughs> guy. Um, and, you know, he, he kind of, and yeah, I guess, I guess that's where he, you know, his, the way that his, his brain works and, and leading into that ending is, is kind of, I think part of that because he's, he's, he doesn't really, he doesn't really get to a point of, you know, Oh, hey, maybe there's more to li- more to life. You know, he's not like uh, Shikishima in Godzilla minus one, where at the end he's like, "Oh, well, I have this great family at home, and maybe there's more to it than just making sure the monster dies." Uh, you know, he doesn't have that. He's more just like, "Well, this guy must have saved my life, so uh, the." right thing to do would be to <laughs> forgive him for his uh irredeemable crimes um so yeah I, I think he's just a weird a weird guy that never really like he doesn't get more sane you know he's not captain ahab levels of crazy but he's he's definitely like not right in the head i don't think he's he's, he's yeah. so yeah i don't know i don't I don't think the movie is endorsing anything that this guy is no. really doing I, th- I think it's just like you know um even though he's the protagonist he's extremely morally gray and of the two guys he's like the least awful of them but he's still kind of kind of Kind of nutty. Yeah, I think, like, I think the movie's trying to to paint him in a in a mostly positive light, but yeah, he's definitely got some problems. Yeah, I, I think the movie wants us to kind of 
sort of like him, but I, I, I don't think the movie is telling us like we should agree with him or think that he's right <laughs> about everything. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's the one that I think we want to root for, but you know, I also think the movie is, is very clear in saying like, Hey, this guy's a little too wrapped up in this whale business. And, you know, he, 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 he should just like shut up and, you know, be a father, but he's not going to. And, you know, that leads to him still acting crazy when he's like on his deathbed. So, you know, I, I think, I think that's more or less what, what, what the movie's going for. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. I I mean I I'm I'm glad this is out there and I'm glad people are are finally getting a chance to check it out. Um uh fun little factoid um I stumbled across is uh um uh I guess back in um I think around the time that the Heisei Gamera movies were coming out, um there was like a a book um, like about, I guess the Gamera series or, or, or the, or Katakawa's, well, I guess now Katakawa, but, um, Daie, pardon me, um, like all their, their tokusatsu movies. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, the, the author of that book, um, uh, had like a little scenario in there, similar to how there was that that book about the Kuryu movies, and it had that little like fake scenario of like all the mecha monsters that everyone thought was like an actual movie pitch, but it was really just the author. It was like the 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 this book was basically like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Like this Gamera book did a similar thing, and um, it had a little like a scenario of uh, like basically like what a die destroy all monsters would kind of be like um where gamera and a bunch of like earth monsters fight against like this like zegra and and the the virus and like the aliens from the the gamera movies and one of the monsters that uh showed up was uh was was the whale god and i i think there was also like the nezira rat and stuff like that um not like an actual thing, oh, the, this is a movie that almost had, but like it was just like the the book being like, oh, hey, wouldn't this be cool? Um, and you know what, Matt? That would be sweet. That would be cool. But yeah, the, the whale was going to, the, the whale god uh, was going to fight. I, here I am talking like it's like a movie that never happened, but in, in, this, in this scenario, in this book, the whale god fought Zegra in New York. I'd watch that. <laughs> I would too. Um uh but yeah, no, uh this is uh uh a movie that's really um among the 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 better um Daie uh Tokusatsu films. Um a really cool looking whale monster, um, a great cast, uh, visually is gorgeous, um, and a great Ifukube score. 
So, um, yeah, I don't know, Matt. How many how many forgiven <laughs> rapes do you want to give this out of five? Uh, I was really torn between a three and a half and a four. I think because there are some missteps towards the end, I'm going to land it at three and a half. But I think it's a really good movie. Uh, I really, I, I did yeah. enjoy it quite a bit. Would recommend it. I'm going to do a four. I, I mean, because honestly, if if those missteps that you mentioned had just been like, I guess, cleaned up a little bit or, or made to be a little more plausible, um, I would probably be looking at like a five. But yeah, w- with that in mind, though, um, I'm going to go just a hair above you and and, and do a four. Um, and it, it's definitely a movie that um, I recommend. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, the, the, this has been long overdue for a Blu-ray release. Um, and yeah, if you, if you like your kaiju mixed with, um, you know, Japanese period set, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I, I think it's up your alley. So if you like the Daimajin movies, yeah. for example, like this is something where I'm, I, I would say like, don't wait, like go now and get it because I would be very surprised if, if. <laughs> You know, this wasn't uh, checking your boxes, um, and uh, yeah, no the the period kaiju movie is is a rarity, but like there there's uh, it's it's almost always really cool whenever there is one. Uh, they're almost always they've almost always been good, and yeah, if the, if this if that's what you're into, then this is a no brainer. Um, and uh yeah, I don't know. With that, uh it, any any last uh things we want to touch on before we head out here? No, I think we're good. All right. So, yeah, Whale God, check it out. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.